I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. We're two landscape designers who have been working in the field for over 25 years. Through this podcast, Digging Deep, we're going to bring to you our knowledge, our challenges, our foibles, our stories, and our ideas to help you create the most unique landscapes for you and your family. That is our intention. And here we are. We, where we are, is Northern California. And um, normally, February would be winter. It would be raining. (laughs) But it has not rained. And um, according to our local newspaper, the Sacramento Bee, it's the first time in the history of their printing that we have had no rain in February. So in January, we started to get rain, and then the rain doors closed, and they locked, and... Uh, They haven't opened again, so it's a little disconcerting at this moment. Yes, we're not sure what's going to go on, but we we hope. So we are also very much aware that across the country, um, you have been, wherever you are, experience either rain or snow or wind or sun. Or sun, right. Yeah, so... Right now is not the time to do your planting, especially, I know back east you wouldn't even consider putting any vegetables. We are. (laughs) Right. In fact, I was telling Roberta, my niece came to visit with her husband and they left Boston and it was gloomy and snowing. And when they got here, it was 71 degrees. It was 71 degrees. So the thing to do for the garden, besides just dream is to plan. Absolutely. Planning is really crucial. Whether the weather is great or whether it's miserable, it's it's very advantageous to develop a plan. Not only a mental plan, but actually a physical plan of your landscape. A physical plan. Do you ever wonder why you start getting garden catalogs at this time of year? Because these companies know that when spring rolls around, <clears throat> there are things that you're going to want to put in your garden. But before you just want to Before ordering and just popping things in, it's important to plan. So we're going to lay out the basics of planning. Right. And I would say the first thing you want to start is, even if it's raining or snowing, uh, which is important because you need to take a look at your site and start to do a little bit of an analysis of what's existing, what's not existing. And we've talked about it before, but now is a really good time to think about solving your problems, the problems that are indigenous to your site. Right. So I was walking around my garden this morning just to give you an idea. And um, I saw one plant. After years, it's been struggling. It finally died. So that's that's going to come out. And then I've got another area where... The plants have grown up to the point where now it's shady underneath it. And originally I had put sun plants. So that's I'm going to put that on my schedule that these plants have to be dug up and changed out. And yesterday I was doing a consultation and one of the things that we noticed, it's been three weeks, almost four weeks that we've, we haven't had any rain. But when I was out at the job site doing a consultation, this woman had a one area that was still muddy. And she was a little Mm. kind of shocked because she said it hasn't rained in three weeks and you'd have thought it dried up, but it's still muddy. So one of the things to investigate and think about is uh, improving the drainage because one of the things that was happening is she had a hillside and this was the low part of the yard Mm. and everything, even though surface wise it isn't draining onto it, it's coming from underground and it kind of sits there like a big swamp. Right, and that that will kill plants. I noticed one of my neighbors, um, we've all had to turn our irrigation on, but he wasn't 
home and his sprinklers, they were the kind of rotator. Right, right. They must have been on for an hour and one of them rotated all the way out to the street. And that's ridiculous. So another thing to do at this time of year is is check your irrigation system. See if there are leaks. Absolutely. And, and the interesting thing, what Roberta just mentioned is, um, I saw the same thing across the street neighbor, the same thing. Theirs goes off at around five o'clock in the morning and they're not up. We are, but they're not. And half the time, the sprinklers are shooting into the street. They're not shooting into the landscape. So as Roberta said, one of the things that you should do If you're in the snow country, you can't. But if you're in a drier environment and you need to turn on your irrigation system, you need to check every one of the systems, every one of the zones, every one of the valves to make sure you don't have leaks, that heads haven't popped off, that drip irrigation hasn't been cut, so that you don't just turn it on and think, oh, I'm all set, I don't have to worry about it. Right. So number one in planning would be to check the system that you already have. Yes. And also to check your yard and see what's working, what's not working, what needs to go, what what can come in. And if there are things that can come in, then you could start planning according to, okay, this area in my yard gets a lot of sun in the afternoon or it gets a lot of shade in the afternoon. So you have to kind of know if you're going to develop a certain area or redevelop it, what kind of exposure it's getting. And now is a a good time, since you're not spending the money initially, is develop a budget. Decide how much you have to spend for the year, for the month, uh, for every for the six months. Um, what are you going to spend and what's the priorities of wh- where you're going to put the money to? Because prices are not going down. They're getting higher. Everything is getting more expensive between labor and materials and insurance and all of these things. So it's really crucial to develop a budget so that you don't start a project and realize, oh my God, I can't afford it. Right. And, uh, you know, with technology today, it's we have YouTube and we have other channels where if you want to put in a pathway or if you want to put in bricks or you want to put in pavers, you want to build a wall, first educate yourself on the process. And um, then it'll give you a little idea of what you're getting into. The other really important thing is is measuring because you cannot order materials until you know how much of what you need. Right. And don't be afraid to buy things on sale. You know, right now, um, there are a lot of things that the, uh, the suppliers want to move product. And so they'll give you a discount if you buy extra or you buy more. And the one thing that I would recommend to people, and I did that even even in our own house, we're remodeling and we're putting in bamboo floors. I bought all the bamboo that I needed for the entire house. Whether I put it in now or later, the last thing you want to do, say you're doing a brick patio, you're doing a slate patio, bluestone patio, whatever material you're using, if you don't buy enough and store it when you say, okay, next year I want to do the rest of it. Um, So you go, next year happens and you go to buy the product and they've either changed the dye lot or it's not available. Now you have a half done yard, which is beautiful and you want to add to it. And there's the product is not available. So I always tell people buy enough to be able to finish the whole job, put a 10% overage for any breakage. Right. Just like you would do tile. Just like you do tile Mm -hmm. and then store it. Because the truth is 
when you go to do it, you want to use the same dye lot. Otherwise, it's going to look like, you know, you wore, you in clothes, you, <laughs> you put one shirt on and it doesn't match with the pants and it doesn't match with the socks. And, Which yeah. nowadays, that's, that's yeah. in fashion. But well, that's fashion. Now, the other side of that coin is this. I got a text message from a contractor and he said, hey, my client is moving and there are tons of used brick and landscape materials you know anyone that wants it? So I texted one of my contractors. He's absolutely. So the other way, if you don't have a big budget, is to look on Craigslist or your local marketplace and see if people are getting rid of, um, you know, blocks or whatever, landscape um, boulders sometimes, and pick it up. You might not know what you're going to do with it exactly immediately, but then if you have it, you could start developing an idea around it. Like, oh, you know, there was all this used brick. Well, you know, trying to find used brick is not easy. And it's expensive. It's very expensive. I used to be able to buy used brick for seven cents a brick. Now it's over a buck for one brick. Right. And if you have an older house and you're trying to match something, forget about it because the new used brick and I'm, I'm doing quotation marks right. with my fingers um it's it's not the same it's not the same the other thing that's really really crucial is um you know for example um my neighbor down the street this is pretty amazing um when someone cuts down a tree a lot of times they just cart off the wood well he comes and he collects a lot of the wood because in his spare time he's a wood carver so he makes live edge tables, live edge uh, mm-hmm. shelves, and he just does it for fun. And the funny thing is he gives them away. He doesn't charge for it. Well, he doesn't have to pay for the material, exactly. and that's what he loves to do. You know, um, if you, very often I'll go to the wholesale flower dealers um, for different events, and what they charge for trunks of birch, white birch, because it looks so nice, it's, it's huge. But if you have a neighbor that's getting rid of a birch and here in Northern California, and I'm sure they're not even around in Southern California because they like a lot of water. Our birch trees, unfortunately, are dying out because the water table during our um, last big drought had um, receded to the point where they just couldn't exist. So a birch tree coming down, there's so many crafts you could do with it. So recycling is a big part of it as well. And that goes also into this basket we're calling planning. Right, planning. And we talked about it before, and it was in our our new trends, is recycle, reuse, um, uh, rehabilitate. Mm -hmm. Um, Anytime you can use what you've already, what's already there and change it up, even broken concrete. So for example, and that's a great way to save some money. If you have an existing patio and it's falling apart and you want to break it up and get rid of it, yes, you can have the contractor take it to the dump or you can take it to the dump. But if you have a side yard where you need to do stepping stones or stepping pads, you can take the broken concrete, it's great, and just break it randomly, set it into sand or mortar, and then you have this flagstone look. In fact, we, when I was working down in LA, um, they used to take broken concrete paint it with a little acid stain, Mm -hmm. use it for a retaining wall, and you'd have sworn it was flagstone. You know, we had the same thing. We we broke up the concrete and we made a new kind of flagstone driveway, but it was in Auburn, California, and the dirt is a reddish color. Yes. So it looked like Arizona flagstone and it was concrete. Now, what you have to know, uh, Michael said it, very briefly, but if you're going to do that, concrete um, is usually four inches thick. Yes. And if you're 
breaking up concrete from some old timer, it could be 8 to 12 inches yes, thick. Yes, it can. So getting it even on the top does mean excavating below yes. and um, setting it in properly. I'll just, I'll just say that because it's uh, heavy and it's not as easy as it sounds. It's a great thing to recycle, but... Um, you know, it's going to build muscle or destroy your back, either one. So any time in terms of budget, when we were talking about planning, you can do a DIY, which would be um, do it yourself. Yeah. That would be advantageous to think about. I mean, perfect example is staining your own fence. If there's a chance that you could stain your own fence or you can um, paint your own furniture or you can set your own stepping stones. Whatever you possibly can do, DIY, do it yourself, will save you a lot of money because you have to realize that in terms of budgets, 70% of the cost of a job is going to be labor. 30% is going to be materials. And any time that you can cut the cost of labor is going to save you money on your jobs. Oh, absolutely. You know, some of my clients, they'll say, um, well, I'll, I'll deliver a plan. And they'll say, okay, what do we need to do? I said, you need to write the check. Right. <laughs> um, but, um, and you write the check when you don't want to do the labor. And doing the labor, I'm here to tell you, is, is um, a lot of work. But there's a lot of joy in it as well. If you, don't, if you do a small section of your landscape and try to, instead of trying to do the entire landscape and you do it yourself, you will save so much money and you'll have the joy of knowing that you did it. Right. And understand that that you just have to accept the fact that in today's market, prices have gone up. Everything has gone up. Yeah. And that's logical. I mean, the, the gas prices, you know, most of these materials are trucked in, they're flown in, they're shipped in. And so, um, you know, I don't think there's ever been a trend where we go into a downward uh, price break. Right. But I, I here's something that you'll find, you probably know about it, but it's really interesting, is that as you as both of us are designers and we're working with clients and clients have budgets so but you still want to give them the ultimate design um i have one client who shed a garage the garage is pushed back and it literally is falling down i mean if you blow it, if you go the whole garage will fall down and she understands it she knows that and so she knows she has to take it away and the way her garage is set up and way her driveway is you can't get a car in there mm -hmm. so now that the garage is gone or soon to be gone, she expressed an interest in maybe having a small, tiny house, small, small area that she could maybe have relatives. And but she's on a budget. So we started researching shipping containers. And there's a company out there that you can actually buy a shipping container. They will retrofit it. They will put windows in it. They will put a door in it. They will insulate it. They will air condition it, heat it, put a tile floor in there, even put a bathroom and deliver it. And all you have to do is pour a slab and run the, the gas and electric or the sewer line and it's done. And the price is outrageously reasonable. Well... That's that part. Then there's the city permits. Okay, yes. so I have built a tiny house in my yard. And um, if we ever get around to it, um, I filmed it from start to finish. And I talk about um, the design process. Um, I drew it and I redrew it. And then I went to the building planning department. And, um, and then everything I wanted to do, they said, no, you can't do this. So I went back to drawing it. So anyway, there's permits and, yes. and fees like that. But I think we're going down a different avenue here because we're talking about garden planning. And all of a sudden, we're helping you build a tiny house a tiny in house. your yard. I, what, the reason I was mentioning it, and you're <laughs> right, I, 
we digress, or I digress. <laughs> the reason I mention it is it's still in the planning phase. So when you're thinking about planning your yard and the the amenities that you want, in this case, she wanted um, an additional area where her relatives could come in. And the one thing we did find out just real quickly was if you call it an office, you do not call it a guest house. You don't call it a tiny house. You call it an office. You can get around a lot of the permitting. So I tried that. You tried that. So I'll tell you what happened okay. <laughs> since we're on the subject. I called it an office. And if you build an office, you still have to have it inspected. Right. It still has to be engineered. And then an office only gets you two plumbing fixtures. Ah, okay. A toilet. A toilet. And perhaps a sink. Yes. So I went downtown. They said it's easier to get it passed if you go downtown. And I did get it passed as an office with a toilet, a shower, a sink, and another sink in the kitchen. Yeah. Even though oh, there's you're no not allowed kitchen. to do a kitchen yet. Yeah. And uh, the inspector I had, he, oh, what a curmudgeon. He's just, oh, I know she's going to have people staying in here. So anyway, everything gets passed. It's, it's ready to go. And I decided to put it on Airbnb. Then it goes on Airbnb. And the, and the city of Sacramento calls me and says, hey, you need a, bill, a license, another license. So I get a license. And it says, well, the building department has to okay it. But you know what? You're not zoned. Wait, what do you mean? I just got it. I just paid $2,600 in permits. It's built. It's a, No. If anyone's going to sleep in there, it's called an accessory dwelling. Uh-huh. And they're trying to change this, but I got charged $9,000. Wow. Nothing changed except the name. But the fire department wanted some. The park wanted some. The school district, thank God, signed off on it without any payment because it was under 500 square feet. So in our city, and I don't know about the others, they are trying to get people to create more housing. But the bureaucracy hadn't changed yet. So, I mean, I built it to put it on Airbnb and also for guests, you know, when right, my own family right. comes. And yes, it does pay for, it will pay for itself, even with that added bit. But before you start looking for ways around, really research it. And this is this is what my video is going to tell and you. And that's a very, very good. So if even though we digressed and we're mm-hmm. going to go back to plants, um, it is really important that if you there are certain amenities and you want them, you need to find out what the local codes are, what your CCNRs, covenants, codes, and regulations are, what the building setbacks are, what your setbacks are, are. What your setbacks yeah. are rather than just just arbitrarily, you know, just plopping it down. Right. And um, and you're absolutely right. And that's what we're going through with this client yeah. who is just basically going to have a quote unquote office with a toilet. And a and a sink, and then we will eventually do an outdoor shower right. rather than a shower as part of the thing, and it will be called just an office. Yeah, and yeah, and and you, like I said, there's there are different ways around, but again, if if you're renting it out, um, and you are renting it on, let's say Airbnb, you know, people may not want to go outside in the winter for the shower. So, right. you yeah. Know. <laughs> so just so that people are clear. Where do you go to find this information out? If you're in a city, most of the time you go to the building department. Yeah, and in the building department is an area called planning. Now, don't be afraid that they're going to look at your lot and and then nail you for something. No, they're simply there to tell you what you can do and what you can't before you do it. Right. So a lot of times that's what you want to do. You want to go to the building department. But (laughs) if you happen to live in a county... Sometimes you go to the planning commission and find out where, you know, what kind of rules and regulations there are. 
Right. Okay. So, you know, we've, we've yacked and yacked and yacked, and um, we're going to go a little bit further, and then um, we're going to carry on in our next podcast the week after and talk about, and, and I'm going to make the segue like this. If you're planning on doing a tiny house or anything like that, planning means you're not, and it, let's say it's five years off, you're not going to plant a tree where that tiny house is right, going to be. Right. <laughs> so, um, so this, let's just say this podcast was about planning everything, your dreams, a tiny house, a garden, and um, we're going to continue next week um, with actual plants and what to put first and, and pretty much what to do. So um, I'm Roberta Walker. Hi, Michael Glasser. <laughs> and this is Digging Deep, our podcast, and obviously we love to talk and we love to tell you all about how to do things. And we always get off subject, but it, <laughs> I, hopefully it's interesting to all of you to hear. Okay, till next week. Thank you.